You visit a new town in a state that you've never been. You walk through the door of a house for the first time, when suddenly you're met with memories. Memories of this town, in this state, in this house, where you've only just visited. Memories come back to you, memories that are vague but familiar and seem to exist at just the outer edges of your mind. Is this deja vu? Or are you remembering something from a past life? A memory that is faint but unmistakably yours. What could this possibly mean? Well, believe it or not, this is more common than you know, and it doesn't just live in the realm of fake science. As a matter of fact, Dr. Ian Stevenson was a psychiatrist who worked for the University of Virginia School of Medicine for 50 years. He was chair of the Department of Psychiatry from 1957 to 1967. He was the Carlson Professor of Psychiatry from 1967 to 2001, and had a research professor of psychiatry from 2002 until his death. He was also the founder and director of the University of Virginia's Division of Perceptual Studies, investigating parapsychological phenomena such as reincarnation, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences, and altered states of consciousness, and sigh. He became internationally recognized for his research into reincarnation by discovering evidence suggesting that memories and physical injuries can be transferred from one lifetime to another. Dr. Stevenson's reincarnation research began in 1960 when he learned of a case in Sri Lanka where a child reported remembering a past life. He traveled extensively over a period of 40 years, investigating 3,000 cases of children around the world who recalled having past lives. This led to Dr. Stevenson's conviction that reincarnation was most likely a reality. Today, we explore spontaneous past life memories. Our guest is Shelley Care, PhD, discussing her book, Blast from the Past, Later, we'll be joined by master hypnotherapist and past life regressionist Damian Bertrand discussing dangers and advantages of looking back to past lives. And Aaron Sagers stops by to review the classic cult film, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. All that next on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Have you ever dreamt a series of dreams and when you look in the reflection, you recognize it as yourself, but yet not you? Personally, I have. This is a phenomenon that has been with me my entire life. I have very vivid, lucid dreams. And when I catch myself in the rearview mirror, the reflection of the glass, I'm always the same man. But I'm not me. But I know that that version of me was also connected to my soul. I don't know how else to explain it. It's a very strange and surreal moment when it happens. I feel as though I'm getting flickers or looks through the eyes of a past life as part of it is unfolding. Maybe you've had some of these mundane 
dreams that are just like everyday occurrences. Nothing fantastical, no unicorns, no flying winged tubbies. It's just you driving to work, talking to your children that you know are not your children. Very strange. Well, our guest knows about this from personal experience and years of work in the field. For two decades, Shelly A. Care, PhD, has worked with thousands of people around the world, helping them achieve greater peace and happiness in their lives. A world-renowned past life regressionist, Dr. Shelley's method of combining energy work with hypnosis has been endorsed by numerous leaders in the field of consciousness, including near-death experience pioneer Dr. Raymond Moody and Dr. Brian Weiss. She received her doc doctorate of philosophy in parapsychic science from the American Institute of Holistic Theology in 2001. Let's welcome her now to the Paranormal 60. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Dave, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. The phenomenon I just talked about, the, the moments of dream, right? It's so easy to dismiss some of this as being nothing more than just the brain's way of working through problems from our day, things that we may have witnessed. But when I'm looking through my own eyes, driving in a car that's not mine and gl glance up at the rear view mirror and there's a a young man with dark black brown hair swept to the side, deep blue eyes, a totally different look than me, but I know that what I'm looking at is me. Am I having a past life memory or do you think, I don't know, maybe even connecting with my past soul self in time in that brief moment? I definitely think you're tapping into your past life for sure. And I think, um, you know, this occurrence, I guess for you, it happens during your dreams, but it is very common that this happens to people all the time. And you're exactly right. It's so easy just to say, well, I must be, you know, crazy, or I'm just having a <laughs> random thought. Let's not even give this a second thought. So I think that's very common. You know what? I, I find, and this is something that literally just hit me. I'm starting to get the willies as we're talking about it, but how many times do we catch ourselves driving to work or home or doing something and we kind of lose ourselves and we just find ourselves pulling into the driveway, right? And you're like, how the hell did I get here? I don't even remember that pathway. And then I'm thinking about looking at myself in the mirror, seeing a different reflection, look back at me like quantum leap, right? Yes. But knowing that this is me. And I'm wondering if in those minutes, is it a past soul checking in? Is it a future self checking in? And they're watching through the lens of our eyes. That's why there's kind of a cognizant disconnect. I have thought about that because um, a lot of my books, we connect with spirit guides who help us go on these journeys. And so I've often questioned, you know, that comforting presence who comes to be with us in the car or otherwise, is that actually a version of ourselves, whether it's the future self or like you said, maybe it's a past life coming to comfort us and guide us, maybe steer us away from harm and things like that. I think that's definitely possible for sure. When people refer to the higher self, you know, we often think of this great global consciousness and right, this in, enlightened version. And I just wonder if connecting to our higher self is just past incarnations that have been there, done that, and maybe are giving us, hey, don't put your hand in the fire, man. That doesn't work well. Trust me, right? And then they show me the burned hand. I wonder if there are those moments that are, are cycling through and, and, and happening around us all the time. I definitely think they are. And um, one of my early books was called Beyond Reality, Evidence of Parallel Universes. And it was filled with stories like this, of this precognition that 
I mean, I like to think about spirit guides myself, but again, what if the person who's loving you and comforting you is yourself? That actually makes more sense, you know, it, really. I, I actually started doing, um, we, we did this on the end of one of my old episodes and I did this in a talk where I walked people through time travel um, therapy, if you will, not being a therapist in any way, shape or form, but I, I thought to myself, how many times do we sit there in bed thinking back to moments that defined us moments where we felt alone or crushed, defeated, sad, and there was nobody to turn to in those moments. And I, I asked the, the audience, I, I led them through some deep breathing exercises and asked them to kind of imagine one of those moments in their life that, that they always go to. And I said, now I want you to imagine you as you are right now, walking up to that version and just giving it a hug, just bending down and cradling them in your arms and telling them, Hey, trust me, everything's going to be okay. And keep revisiting that moment because, you know, we may be the ones that need to heal ourselves. It may not come from outside sources, but our soul within our lifetime may be able to go back and start to fix things. I believe time travel is real within ourselves, but not necessarily that I could go out and crush a butterfly and change the English alphabet, right? But, <laughs> but the fact that by going back, I can build that. And when you think about the fact, too, that, uh, Shelly, we, you know, we go back to those moments and there are times you can think of, you know, I, I always felt like there was somebody there with me. Like I wasn't alone. Yeah. Maybe it was you going back. Maybe it was all those times you were thinking about it. You know, the soul is an amazing thing. The brain is an amazing thing. So to limit ourselves into the concepts of how we believe we actually work, I think is ridiculous. That's why I always encourage people reach beyond those moments and see what you can do to not become a victim of your past, but to become a healer of your past and, and try to do these things. And, you know, one of the things I'd like to do, I might even try to do that as one of my own self-hypnosis deals going back to those moments, but even try to take myself a little bit further back and see if I might tap into one of those past life incarnation wounds that might help me here. And I know that's a lot what you're doing with this book because you're, you're helping people kind of heal through these spontaneous past life memories. And uh, give us a definition, if you would. What is a spontaneous past life memory? So when this started happening to me, I decided to give it a word. So I call it supretrovy. And it's the term I use to describe a spontaneous past life memory, which is where there's several ways it can happen. Either we're traveling to a new place and all of a sudden the surroundings that we're actually looking at fade away and we return to a time maybe hundreds or maybe even thousands of years ago. So we don't see modern buildings anymore, or we may um, run into museum artifacts, or we may be running around the antique mall and we encounter an object that triggers a little movie in our mind or a feeling or a sensation. Or um, a lot of my early books are about gem and mineral healing. So I really believe gems and minerals because they come from different parts of the world. So a crystal from Arkansas is not anything like a crystal from Brazil, for example. So sometimes we're holding those and then that can trigger these memories. Or of course, something that I'm sure has happened to you and every single person listening to us right now would be that we have encountered someone. We just met them 10 seconds ago. We've gazed into their eyes and we're either thinking, OMG, let me get the heck out of here now. Or we're going, oh, I love you. You know, you're wonderful. You're fast friends. You don't even know the person. So we've all had these familiar feelings of encountering people who we know from the past because 
there are not a lot of coincidences in this life, I don't think, Dave. I would agree with you on that. And you know what? Let me just say to our listeners and viewers around the world, when you have that moment of synchronicity or simpatico, when you connect, listen, it's very easy to give into the heart. Oh, my God. Oh, Shelly, I feel like we've we've been in love before. We've known each other through the through time and history. Maybe, just maybe you should reel it back a little bit anyway. Because when you think back to past boyfriends and girlfriends, we usually tend to focus on a lot of the things that we like about them, especially when we're drinking. And that's why right. drunk texts happen. <laughs> right? So maybe this, yes. this moment of recognition for Shelly is, oh my God. And I'm, that's because my brain is only allowing me through the perception filter to remember the good times. I may forget the time she boiled my rabbit on the kitchen, right? And, and right. Uh, stole yeah. my child or did something in a past life. So Maybe yeah, it's just still... like put the shot glass down and step away from the table immediately. Go get a cup of coffee and then let's revisit this. Come right. On. Take a deep breath and, <laughs> and revisit that. Now, you you actually, this isn't something that you just studied. This isn't something where you're a casual observer. You've had these spontaneous past life memories occur for you. Yes. Um, this is, I. you know, I've been in the field of past life regression for so long but yet I started to have really, really weird experiences while traveling. So the one that really finally brought this into the foreground was um, I went to Key West during what, you know how you have like in your life, you have different chapters. So there was a chapter when I owned a travel agency and we specialized in cruises. So I love to cruise. Again, that's probably a past life situation um, that I have. So I was out on a cruise. I went to Key West and I know anybody who's ever been there, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. I mean, let's face it, what's not to love? But the minute I put my foot on the ground, my eyes started watering up. I was getting really ill. I staggered around town all day. And what started to get my attention, Dave, was when I put my foot back on the cruise ship, I took my feet off the land and immediately I felt better. Once the cruise ship, um, at the end of the day, they shut the ship up, we're going to the next port. Once we got a certain distance away from the place, I started feeling so much better that I started to say, wait a minute, there must be something really wrong with this place. At first I thought it was allergies, but then I thought maybe the place is cursed or something. I don't know. I said, this place is not good for me. And I vowed, which does happen a lot <laughs> in past lives to never, ever return to this place again. So I went home and literally a couple days later, I had some friends call and say, hey, you wanna go on a cruise? Well, yeah, I want to go on a cruise. I don't want to miss out. And so I said, where are y'all going? And they said, well, we're going to Key West. And I was like, what? I've just vowed to never go to this place ever again. <laughs> and so believe it or not, Dave, I'm kind of slow. So it didn't even occur to me up until that point at all that maybe I've got a past life problem here. So finally, I thought, how am I going to get to go on the cruise, but not suffer and struggle? So I decided at that point, it took me this long, even as long as I've been doing this, to contact one of my students who took me on a past life regression. And I saw myself in the 1700s out on a ship, and I was a deckhand. And basically, I was an obnoxious fool, and everybody was sick of me. So I saw them making me walk the plank. They dumped me out. And I swam and crawled up to the shore and I basically passed away on the shore of what is now Key West. Then, then it was just, you know, land, of course. And so we did all the things that I would normally do for my clients, which is, you know, let's cut cords, let's send a healing light, let's learn the lessons, you know, don't be a jerk. Okay, there, I learned a lesson. So I thought, man, you know, now I am super interested. 
what is going to happen when I go back here? Is is this really going to work? I mean, can I put my money where my mouth is and the stuff that I've been doing all these years, does it actually even work? Because I hadn't really had any super issues that I had looked into for a long, long time. So I showed up back over there and long story short, I walked right up the same place I went last time when I started to have this overwhelming feeling and I could get very close to the area where I feel like I had passed away. And I was like, wow, I started to have that nauseous feeling. So I sent light to it. I just kind of did some energy healing kind of things. And then I just said, I think I'm okay now. So I walked around the village, had a great time, got back on the ship. And that was the end of that. And so that's what really made me start saying, wait a minute, if this is happening to me, and if I was able to change the way I perceived a place so dramatically, just through a few healing exercises and a guided journey, basically, then this must be something I need to reach out to other people and ask them about. And that's when I found out this happens to everybody, Dave. They're just not always aware of it. You're right. Everybody I know that goes to Florida never wants to go back again. <laughs> I, I read the headline, Shelly, Florida man holds up Wendy's drive through with a live alligator. Florida exactly. man steals ice cream truck and runs over 15 people. I read that's why you don't want to be in Florida. Um, there no, it is. You're, He's telling let, you folks. Let me ask you though. We talk a lot in, in neuro-linguistic programming and things yes. about retraining our brain in a new way to think, knowing how you felt, knowing that you do past life regressions and please don't take offense at this question, but how do you know that what you connected to was a true past life and not something that your brain was creating to make sense of the sensation that you had while you were there. You know, of course, that pirates were in that area and that ships came to port there all the time. And you want some sense of, of semblance and, and knowing what this is. How do we know that it's not our brain just creating a narrative to fit the situation that we're experiencing? It's a good question, and I've actually addressed this in all of my books, which is, I don't know if this is real, Dave. I may just like pirates. You know, I like Johnny Depp. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, the reality is, though, you see, I don't really care at the end of the day. Like, I can't, I I, I am, I honor Dr. Stevenson and the mm -hmm. efforts that it took for him to do all the research he does. But in my work, I just, I just want people to feel happier. And so if for some reason thinking I was a pirate makes me feel happier and it right. resolves the issue so that I can live happier in the here and now, and then I can go enjoy a margarita at Margaritaville or something in Key West. As, as a pirate then, would. Yes, as a, any good pirate would. That's <laughs> right, right. Exactly. And I'm able to make my life better. And it's the same for my clients because I don't know whether these are archetypes, whether this is something they saw on TV, whether this is a real past life or what. And I don't think as long as we're locked down here in third dimensional reality, nobody can really prove this stuff yet. Although people like Dr. Stevenson certainly did a lot to further the idea that there must be something happening here. Well, and the fact that that he was finding children that would have a, a distinct marking on them who remembered living in this town and their best friend cleaving them in the head with a hatchet and they died and they take this kid back to the town that he's never been and they find that this guy was murdered. He was hit in the head right in the same spot. This kid has a scar or a birthmark. I mean, that's that transcends, the as you said, the 3D model or perception of what we are and what our possibilities truly are. Right. But Florida wasn't the only time you had an experience, comrade. Wasn't it in Moscow as well? 
Yeah, there was a lot of weird times, Dave. Um, one of the weirdest ones, you know, in the in I did an early series on this, and then blast from my from the past is my newer one. So I had talked about how museum artifacts can be very, very um, triggering for people. So I was once again, I was on another cruise that went from St. Petersburg to Moscow. And all throughout the cruise, this is not in my conscious mind yet, though, that this was a problem or a situation, because this is back in 2006 before I'd actually put this stuff together. But there was many places along that river where I felt like I had been there before. But it culminated when we got to Moscow and we've got to take a tour bus over to the Kremlin Armory Museum. Now, I can tell you. I have absolutely zero interest in looking at cannonballs and weaponry from who knows how long ago. I have no interest, but hey, you know, we're going to deal with it. We're going to go on it, the tour. It's a huge building. You go down into the basement at the end of the tour. There's this huge um, carriage house that looks about the size of a high school gymnasium. And so everybody's making kind of a counterclockwise turn around this to look at all the ancient carriages from the Russian Federation through the centuries. So the minute I get to the bottom of the stairs, I'm starting to turn and I start to feel this, oh, like I'm going to throw up and something is trying to calm me down. Maybe it was that future me. I don't know. Something just said, calm down and just look right over here at this carriage. And something just said, I've seen this before. So it was kind of a similar situation that later happened to me in Key West, where I was told to very, very slowly just go up to it and try to stand near it because it was very jarring. And I saw the little placard on it and it said that it was a gift from James I of England to the Russian czar at the time whose name I cannot remember. But all of a sudden then I started to have a little movie run in my mind of the citizenry out in the streets and the carriage was riding through the streets. So at that moment, I thought, well, maybe I was a Russian, you know, and I saw this in the past. Later that same year, I wound up, I was in London and I have an obsession with um, Henry VIII and the six wives of Henry VIII. Like I've read 2000 page books on this. I mean, it's, it's insane. So I always wanted to go to Hampton Court Palace. And if people go there during Christmas time, they open up the Tudor kitchens and it's really cool. So I went to Hampton Court Palace. And what is weird, this gets back to what you're asking me before. Am I making this stuff up or is it coming in from nowhere? I really thought I must have been there during the life of Henry VIII. But when I walked through those areas where he had been, there was nothing familiar about that at all. But what happened was many years ago, my very first book on regression was called um, Lifestream. And I gave the readers um, a guided journey in that book, like I do with all my books. And I had taken myself on that journey. And you always have to set your intentions of what you want to see. So I wanted to know why I love England. And I ended up going into this hallway, this black and white checkered hallway. And I just saw it just for a flash. And then I came out of it. And so when we were in Hampton Court, we went through all the Henry VIII part, and then we went to the very last part of the tour where they took us into this hallway. And I looked and I went, oh my God, it's the black and white checkered floor. And they said that that hallway had been added on by King James I of England. He's the one that gave the carriage to the Russians. And so suddenly I saw an image of the carriage and then 
I thought to myself, maybe I actually was some maid or something. I mean, I don't even know. I've never had a full regression on this because I like to keep some, some things kind of mysterious. But I thought maybe I was some maid or something scrubbing the floors. And I happened to be maybe encountering that carriage on that end. And that maybe that scene I saw of the, of the Russians seeing the carriage go through the streets, that could have just been a, a memory because memories stick on to objects as you probably are aware. That's a very paranormal thing that happens. So bottom line, it's weird. And bottom line is antiques and artifacts do affect people all the time, whether they're consciously aware of it or not. You know, I would even think that maybe, maybe you were one of the craftsmen that helped build this carriage. Oh, maybe. And you you built into that carriage the the blood sweat and tears of your labor which again we find that in some instances we call these uh soul fractures through paranormal investigating that could have just been a piece of of you left over so that's why you you connected with where the the carriage was built and where the carriage ended up because there was an essence of that soul in both locations fascinating either way and the book you got you cover a lot of really interesting cases um I've got, uh, <clears throat> it says you, you've talked to clients on Egypt, the Civil War, a house in Arkansas, and you go through ways and modalities that people can actually heal through having these past life moments. And that that's really become kind of your, your pathway to help people so they don't feel alone. They don't feel like they're crazy and realize that that, that luggage we're carrying from the past may be something we can we can leave there. Exactly. Yeah, I've always wanted to give um, the guided journeys to the reader so that, you know, these days you can just read this right into an app and play this back. And these journeys and exercises are hopefully very helpful because, yes, you're not crazy. That's what I'm here to tell you. I hear, you know, I get letters all the time, people going, oh, my gosh, I didn't know that this there was no name for this. Or, you know, even people when I ask them, has this happened to you? Sometimes it would take them a couple of days to get back to me because, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, we are trained by the society, as you know, to shove this stuff down, just go, oh, wow, that was weird, you know, and then never mention it again to anyone. And so right. we don't want to seem crazy. No, we right. want to try to fit in unless we're on this show, then we're OK. Then we exactly. Know we're all together. <laughs> it's a good fit. Shelly A. Care, a blast from the past healing spontaneous past life memories. Uh, we've got a link up for her website, a link up to the book. You can go to the um paranormal60.com click on the store tab and scroll down to our amazon store go on in there we have the book there and waiting for you uh shelly thank you so much for joining us and spending some time here with us today i really appreciate it it's been fantastic to be with I look you forward thank to you talk so much. yeah i look forward to talking to you again thank you all right folks we're gonna uh talk to damian bertrand our guest in just a few moments but before we do that i find this interesting because shelly brought up the fact that um museums have an effect. And I have an email from the mailbo mailbox of the macabre that I'd like to read for you now. And uh, I thought this was a fascinating story. We'll get uh, Damien's take on this as well and, and talk to him a little bit about uh, his work in hypnotherapy and past life regressions. But first, from the mailbox of the macabre, Dave, this is the strangest experience of my life. When I was around 12, I had gone on vacation with my family. We were visiting an old historic museum for whatever town we were visiting on our long car ride. It was a standard local museum. Lots of photos of old shops, houses, and people just walking along Main Street. There were trophy cases 
lined with ribbons, trophies, and citations, and the like, celebrating every aspect of this little town. When we crossed the threshold of one of the rooms, I got a chill. Like every hair on my neck, arms, and legs stood up on end. I almost felt sick to my stomach. I steadied myself and tried to convince myself that the long, hot car ride with two chain-smoking parents must have finally gotten to me. That's when I noticed this room was dedicated to those that had been lost to the numerous wars our nation had been taken part in. I walked, staring intently through the protective glass at photos, mementos, and old letters, lovingly, painstakingly, and meticulously cared for and displayed. I turned and saw a glass-top table in the middle of the room, and there, staring back at me, was a ruddy old man face on an 8 by 10 black and white picture. Dave, everything stopped. I don't think I took a breath for three minutes. I just stared into this face, and I recognized it. It was me. He was the longtime caretaker of this museum who had passed away ten years before I was born. He was a war veteran that served in World War II and the Korean War. He was decorated and obviously was respected by the community. Dave, when I saw the pictures, it was like I was taken back to another time and another place. I could almost smell the home cooking as I looked at the family photos, and the names of everyone in the pictures sprang to my mind. Then there were the letters. Letters he had sent home every week to his wife. As I read through them, I could feel the tears welling up in my eyes, and I could swear I could hear the sounds of the war in my head as I read his words. The whole thing was very emotional, and that's when I felt a hand on my shoulder. I wheeled around in shock and stood there facing a well-dressed man with a broad smile. Anthony, I murmured. I could see the shock on his face when I called him by name. Yes, I'm Anthony. I'm the curator here. But how did you know my name? That's when I noticed his name tag and pointed to it. But that was not how I knew his name. I knew his name because he was my son. We turned to look at the table and he told me about this old man. There was pride in his voice and a happy, faraway look in his eyes as he regaled me with the tales of growing up here and how loved his father was by everyone in town. I could barely speak. I felt like I had a huge rock trapped in my throat. I just nodded and smiled. And I knew the names that he shared, and I had flashes of the memories he told me of, like I had been there. And I really believe I was. I believe I was this man. This has haunted me my whole life, and I've wanted to go back and scream from the center of town who I am, or rather was but I know how crazy that would sound and upsetting it may be to those that knew him. Well, me, back then. But that day, I got the greatest gift of all. I got to hear how loved I was. I got to hear how respected by everyone I was. That will stay with me to my dying day. And it put me on a path in this life to try to live a life worth remembering. To be someone that people will tell stories about with smiles on their faces as they recall the memories. And I wish that kind of peace on everyone. Thank you for letting me share my story. And that's from Andrew Aronson, who sent that in. Man, hits you in the feels, doesn't it? I wonder, though, as in talking with Shelley Kayer, was this really a past life memory? Or perhaps 
this boy resonated at the same frequency as the spirit of the old man who may still stand sentinel over this room, over the museum that he loved and cared for so deeply. In your life, you continue to have memories of things that seem fleeting and distant, that again, only exist in those outer edges of our mind. It doesn't mean they're not real. Maybe part of our journey is to try to understand these moments, understand how they play in this life and the past. We'll be back, Damian Bertrand, our guest, when we return to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And welcome back to the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. It's time now to visit with a friend. Damian Bertrand is a world-renowned clinical hypnotherapist and past-life regressionist who's appeared on many programs. He stopped by the Holzer Files, our Lambert Castle investigation in Season 1, and he's the author of the book Past Lives, Journey Revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome, for the first time on the Paranormal 60, Damian Bertrand. Hello, Damian. Hey, Dave. Always a pleasure. How are you? I'm going great, man. It's it's great to see you, and uh, I know you're out traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you allowed to say where you are in the world right now, or is this sure. some covert secret? No, I'm in Lima, Peru, currently. Beautiful weather, nice food, nice people, wonderful place. Very cool. Well, today we're talking about past lives. We're talking about Mm -hmm. visiting these moments. And I do want to mention again, the book Past Lives Journeys Revealed, Damian Bertrand's book. We do have a link for it up if you go to um, paranormal60.com and then click on the store tab, scroll down to our Amazon page, go in there and you'll see we've got a paranormal section, a true crime section, gift sections, all of that. And this will be right in our paranormal section. Get the audio version or the regular version of the book. Both of them are available there. Damian, you know, I know talking about past lives is very exciting and magical to a lot of people, mm-hmm. myself included, but I had a couple of harder questions I wanted to pose to you. I'm curious, is it dangerous to start poking around in our past lives? If I'm not having any recollection of them here, I'm not having these fleeting moments or walk into a place that I recognize. If I just go to a hypnotherapist and want a regression, right. can that can that lead to a dangerous situation down the road? It's a great question. I believe in past life regression therapy for, for therapeutic purposes. So meaning, you know, who was I in a past life could help me define who I am today. Could help me understand maybe some of the issues I'm having today, such as self-confidence, uh, relationship issues, uh, maybe lack of success. What is it that's blocking me from being who I want to be? Now, one good question that you brought up is going to a hypnotherapist. Make sure they are a credible hypnotherapist. Get some type of referral to make sure that they're going to really match with you and then interview that person and see if you're comfortable working with them. All these things are very, very important. But to go back to your question, it's a great question for your listeners, uh, your viewers. Who, First of all, what is your purpose? What are you trying to learn? What are you trying to gain? What are you trying to exactly. uh, reflect on with this with this past life regression therapy because it can be very very uh, emotional absolutely emotional it can be very life-changing in a good way or possibly in a way that you don't want it to be so as you said um i think purpose is important and i think secondly if you do explore it and you do find some things in there that you don't uh really are proud of or happy about or or are confused about definitely Continue to go to therapy to keep working on those issues and, and make sure that you're getting uh, the benefit that you need from that regression. 
Do you think for people that aren't in need of therapy because of the past, which I'm sure probably all of us are in one way, shape or another, but again, the ones that aren't being visited by these memories or flickers um, that, that go back and, and do this, do you think there's any chance of creating more of an issue by opening that door? It's always a possibility, but the one thing that, that, that the viewers should really understand about hypnotherapy is that at any time you're in complete control of what's happening. So the misconception that a hypnotherapist has complete control over you and can really influence you is, is really, again, a misconception. At any time, your conscious mind would come back and can awaken you to make sure that you're safe, you're secure, and you're not crossing a boundary that you don't need or, or feel safe crossing. And um, there is two main differences with hypnotherapy and with past life regression therapy that everybody should understand as well. Hypnotherapy is really an A to B type of a therapy, meaning you come to me or you come to a hypnotherapist and you say, I need to quit smoking. So the hypnotherapist is going to guide you and try and reshape your thinking and your thoughts and your habits by giving you the positives of life, giving you the positives of being smoke free, being positives of having healthy lungs and more energy and so on. They're really guiding you to becoming a better version of yourself. When it comes to past life regression, there should be no guidance at all. You really regress someone and they go back to the place that they should be or need to be at that very moment to get to whatever goal or, or experience that needs to come out. Um, you're really channeling energies. You're really channeling, again, past lives. You're, ch you're channeling spirits. You're really going into that other realm. But again, no guidance. It's all just asking questions. You know, where are you? Are you male? Are you female? What do you see around you? What are you wearing? You know, give, give me an example of the landscape. We start with these kinds of questions and then we can delve into the deeper stuff. Play the what if game with me, if you don't mind, Damien. Let's say you and I are doing a past life regression and we tap into the fact that I, in fact, was Albert Einstein or perhaps Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Is there a way to to through hypnotherapy bring aspects of that personality maybe their knowledge and intelligence into this lifetime opening me up to be more of a service to the world and, and to people with the gifts that i've had in the past yeah that's a great question i do believe that we can channel positive energy and positive experiences and positive talents from a past life into this life but i also believe the universe gives us exactly what we need at this very moment whether we interpret it as positive or negative. And what I mean by that is somebody like Mozart's a great example. As a small, small child, he could compose uh, you know, works of art that, that adults couldn't compose that had been playing instruments in the piano for, for decades. And when you look at someone like that, it's for me very, very obvious that in a past life, he had been a good pianist and then he carried those skills and talents forward. And as a child, remembered all those events and just produced what he produced and gave the world those gifts. Now, if you could channel and find out that in a past life, you were, say, Mozart, in this lifetime, were you meant to play the piano and create art again? Or are you meant to use that skill set and that talent set, but in a different way? So talents for me are all energy-based. And wherever you put that energy, you can do good or you can do not so good. But what I mean by that is- <laughs> I could become know, a jingle writer for Coca-Cola in this lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> California raisins, right? That's right. Um, so I really believe that talent is just energy and whatever we use it for in every lifetime, uh, we can produce and produce very, very good things. And it's all within all of us. Um, 
I also believe, bringing back the child aspect, that until a certain age, kids, almost all kids can remember their past lives. Our society chooses to ask kids to forget those memories. The, the imaginary friend doesn't exist. The uh, talking about the world war or airplanes, or those are just things you heard or imagine or this, it's not real. When I believe that it absolutely is real, I think society suppresses our children to keep them conformed into what we want them to be. So I think we should encourage our children to talk to us, let out what you think is, is, is your friend. Tell me about him. Tell me about your experiences. Get things out so that we can learn. With that said, then, what about the other way around? Let's say, God forbid, you take me back to a past life and it turns out I'm Ted Bundy or, or Adolf Hitler, Eileen Warnos, uh, you wow. know, this dark soul. By opening that door, does that, does that leave the possibility open of that personality reawakening in this lifetime? That's a great question. I mean, you know, th those negative, those really, really negative energies um, are around us at all times. And if you were to do a regression and find out that you had been a very disturbed individual that did awful things, um, again, I think, I think that we would have to continue to work on, on the therapy aspect and make sure that understanding that there was obviously a reason that you came back as a better soul this time and to continue, continue that work. One of the interesting things that you bring up about Ted Bundy is a couple of years back, I did a regression with a woman named Rhonda Stakely. And she, I believe, is known as the only surviving victim of Ted Bundy. Um, she was a college student. Uh, he lured in, her into his car, uh, that famous Volkswagen Beetle. Um, he took her somewhere and he did all kinds of awful things to her and then tried to kill her and he thought she was actually deceased. Um, she awakened and she got to a, a river and swam away from him and he wasn't able to catch her. Um, she's written books about it. She's been on all the major talk shows, but she really had blocked a lot of the memories and came to me and wanted to, wanted to open that up so she could actually safely relive parts of it to understand it, put it away and move forward. And we're talking, this happened decades ago. So I, I agreed to work with her and, um, in my office and what I did to make sure that it wouldn't bring up some serious trauma and wounds um, is I put her in a third person point of view, regressed her. And so she was an observer to the scene and she relived uh, the, the experience. And it was, I mean, it was exactly what I think you think it was. It was, uh, it was unbelievable. But what was even more fascinating when we talk about channeling energies, the paranormal and so on, was when she was reliving the experiences, she would talk what she said, the dialogue that she was saying to Ted. And then when Ted was talking to her from the moment he met her until she ran off, she channeled the voice and turned into a male voice that gave me chills. And even as I talk about it today, I have chills. And this, so it was like you were, it was like you were on a phone line listening to two people talk to yeah, absolutely. totally Good different point. people. Wow. Uh, two totally different people. And so she, uh, she relived it safely. She got the answer she wanted and she felt that she had moved forward from it, which was, uh, which was, which was validating. And it was, I was really happy to work with her. So I think 
going back to your original question, I think that is the safest way. If you believe that you possibly did something that you wouldn't be proud of today in a past life, reliving it in a third person will help protect you from from uh, channeling that energy and becoming that negative uh, energy again. Boy, uh, you say that most children remember past lives to a certain level. I'm, I'm reminded I did a true crime Tuesday episode in the past and talk about getting the willies again. Second time today, all the hair standing up <laughs> on my arm. Uh, I was talking to Kel- Kevin Sullivan about Ted Bundy. Okay. Oh, One okay. of the earliest stories that he revealed to me, Damien, is the fact that when he was about the age of three, three and a half, um, he actually went and got like one of the big knives out like Michael Myers would use. And he was standing wow. by the side of his aunt's bed and he was slipping the knife between the sheets as he was staring at her. This to me sounded like, and I think I even mentioned it in that episode, that if there was ever a moment or a case to think somebody might have been reincarnated, because where would a three-year-old get that dark of a of an idea or or bloodlust? He didn't cut her, he didn't injure her, but they luckily I believe she woke up or somebody had, had caught him in the act of doing this before he did something. There are these strange claims of Ted Bundy. Uh, Kevin Sullivan told us this story as well, that in one of the instances when he was getting the information from Bundy uh, or one of the um, interviewers where Bundy took the recorder and began talking into it. And as he spoke into it, his face began to physically change. And then he had this large welt uh, come up across his face, almost like Mm -hmm. a scar Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as he told the story. And then when he finished it dissipated and his face went back to normal. Mm. Was that perhaps a past life thriving, living through that moment again with Ted and the scar that, that came across his face? Was it, was it a scar from a scratch Ted might've gotten from that victim? Or was it something that, that the person he was reincarnated from had? That's where I start wondering about the duality of the soul and, and by opening doors and inviting this look in, can it cause issues? I like, your concept of the third person being that mm-hmm. that objective viewer coming in to re-watch this, but have that disconnect so you can see it more as a camera as opposed to reliving it through your own eyes. Maybe that would be what would help protect a the fragile ego and, and psyche of the experiencer, but might also protect the person that goes back and finds out they were a Ted Bundy or an Adolf Correct. Hitler. Correct. Correct. In telling that story, I mean, what do you think? I mean, three-year-old well, sliding a knife underneath the sheets, do you think this is a triggered memory from something in the past? Or are people just born evil? No, I I mean, I don't I don't believe people are born evil. I think at some point either society or they or they channel negative energies and those negative energies are real. I could tell you from my experience, because I never worked with Ted or or even a serial killer. I have I haven't worked with them directly, so I, I can tell you that when we do past life regressions, um, the actual the actual client that's being regressed, when if they're doing something, let's just say they're running, uh, they will physically get flush in the face. Their heart rate will start to speed up. Uh, so they're physically reacting to the experience that they were living back in the past. So when you talk about Ted having these welts and everything else, I mean, that makes complete sense to me. Um, I, when I did the TV show Past Lives, uh, the series on Lifetime, uh, which I hosted, we did 
one one lady that we regressed actually this reminds me she had been living in the middle east back in i think it was 1200 a.d and she couldn't bear children and so she was uh, kind of outcasted by her whole community you know during that time and so on and so in this life her purpose was to um actually bear children for families that can't and she didn't know why she had this desire and so when we regressed her we found out that this is what happened to her in a past life but it, at some point she actually died in that past life and she was drowned so the same exact reaction happened while she was reliving it where her breath was really really hard and she was gasping and everything and she was reliving it. heart rate was up we had a heart rate monitor on all her people and it spiked and everything and uh, it's just it's just um your body is is tied to your past life memories you know genetically and also through the soul and the subconscious unbelievable uh past lives journeys revealed damian bertrand our guest and we do have a link up for damian in today's program guide so you can go down click follow him on his projects look up his books keep in touch with him that way as well damian uh, damian as always it's a pleasure to catch up with you thanks for stopping by today dave Great seeing you, man. Hope you See, enjoy the snow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hope you enjoy Peru. I wish I was there with you. <laughs> Take care. Talk soon. Thanks. All right, folks. Uh, we've been talking about reincarnation today, about the concept of life after life. And with that in mind, we're going to go to Upon Further Review. And today's Upon Further Review is something I'm excited about. Uh, first of all, because it is one of the movies I loved as a child, a movie that scared the living bejesus out of me, and uh, deals with today's topic. It is the movie The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Joining me today, my victim of the week, is a good friend of the show, and uh, he is a paranormal pop culture icon. He is a paranormal pop culture researcher, and uh, he knows all about all when it comes to paranormal and pop culture. He is a journalist. You've seen him on many different TV shows, and uh, somehow he still has to do his penance by appearing here on the Paranormal 60. <laughs> Aaron Sagers. Good to see you, Aaron. <laughs> hey, Dave. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> Look, we'll, we'll do a little uh, drink together, all right? Let's yeah. raise our glasses. and All right, we will get started. Um, you know what? This movie, like I said, is one of those that I remembered from childhood. Now, I've the first two weeks I sent Jeff Belanger after the Night of the Lepus. I don't think mm -hmm. he's forgiven me. I sent Shane where he belongs back to the basement in Don't Look in the Basement last week. <laughs> um, and now, uh, you know, or two weeks ago, I guess it was, and we skipped upon further review last week. I wanted people to be hungry. So I, I figured I gave you two kind of lemons of a movie, kind of those guilty pleasure horror movies with Night of the Lepus and Don't Look in the Basement. But I wanted to set you up with a movie that I, I truly actually liked and I wanted to see how it held up. But let's give let's give the viewers and listeners a little chance to uh, catch up. And, and here's the original trailer. And I love the cheesy sound effects in this. Here's the original <laughs> trailer for the reincarnation of Peter Proud. You have only one life to live, or do you? Marcia. I didn't mean what I said back then. That voice must belong to the man that I was. I didn't know what I was saying. I must be the man playing tennis in those dreams, driving that car, swimming in that lake. Now you're telling me you've been reincarnated. Right. Take it from me. When you're dead, you're dead. Suppose you knew 
who you had been in a previous life. What is this, some kind of a joke or something? You've signed the name of the deceased, Jeffrey Curtis. Where you had lived. Mrs. Curtis, the old lady who lives here. She's been away for years. Whom you had loved. That was my husband, Jeff. He died a long time ago. I know. How you had died. No, Marsha! No! What then? The reincarnation of Peter Proud. The best-selling novel is now an electrifying motion picture. Ah! Who are you, Peter Proud? If I tried to explain, you'd probably think I was insane. Look, you are a one-man revelation. Ah! Of all the people in the world, Sam, why me? The reincarnation of Peter Proud. The story of a man's obsessive search for a prior existence. I know I've been here before. Jeff, she thinks you're her son. The reincarnation of Peter Proud. Starring Michael Saracen and Jennifer O'Neill. Who are you, Peter Proud? Ah! Will give you second thoughts about a second life. Because I was there. Marcia, no. Because I was there. Because he was there. I was Aaron there. <laughs> now they this really was... just they give you that whole plot in the in the trailer. All right, but it's still it's in entrancing, but you could tell how far back it was. Margot Kidder has a, a, a pretty big role in this movie. They don't even mention her. I think this was prior to becoming Lois Lane. Uh, it again, this movie is based on the book, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud, a novel by Max Ehrlich. And I do have a link for that up. If you go to um, paranormal60.com, click on the store tab, go into our Amazon bookshop, into the paranormal section, you'll find the novel there. All right, Aaron, it's been a long time since I've had a chance to watch this movie. Did it hold up? Do you think this was a decent movie or did the effects and the acting of the time really show through? Well, I will say when you introduced me, you said paranormal pop culture expert, guru of all entertainment of the unexplained. Normally that is so true. And yet this was a movie that had slipped uh, past me, had not seen it, settled yeah. in and watched it with some friends. Likewise, movie buffs had not seen it. I really surprisingly enjoyed this it it is eerie it's trippy it's definitely a product of the 70s as right. uh, evidenced by the theremin music or whatever <laughs> the, i the was there, there. <laughs> and and it's uh it's it's got some freakiness to it a lot of sex happens in the movie um but <laughs> <laughs> now everybody knows why it was one of my favorite movies as a youngster <laughs> but no it holds up and and without spoiling it i will say that i was surprised by how the movie ended as well um and something that really works with this movie is yes we get this notion that this guy from the very beginning he's having dreams of another life and the mystery unfolds from there. But what I like about it is that we don't spend an hour and a half of him thinking he's going crazy and not believing. Instead, there is this sort of acceptance of the paranormal with him and one other person pretty early on, and then the mystery goes from there. Um, so yeah, I would say that it, it definitely holds up. I think you had good taste then, and uh, apparently still have good taste. This is one of those movies, when I look at the pantheon of, of horror remakes, and I don't know, do we even put this into a horror category, or is this more like a suspense thriller? I I would say 
on Wikipedia, they call it a psychological horror. I did not read anything about this before I watched it. And then I was reading up a little bit. So they say psychological horror. I would say suspense. I think it's paranormal suspense. Yeah, and it's a great little flick. But this is one of those, why not remake this instead of revisiting the pot of Friday the 13th or Night of the Living Dead or you know any of the classics uh, horror movies? Why not reboot with something that has a great skeletal format to it and with today's filming and acting is much better i'm sorry the the cast was interesting for its time but it was very dated and kind of that but what are you telling me aaron right i mean everything's kind of that over dramatized way of speaking from the 70s kind of uh shock film value yeah yeah no it, it definitely has that 70s vibe to it and you're right i mean why not remake something that has less of a footprint in pop culture rather than remake something that's already so well known and iconic um actually apparently um david fincher who directed seven of course was a couple of years ago looking at remaking this and i, I oh. guess it just did it, it fell apart yeah because who wants a decent movie when we can go back and you know, put a new mask on uh, Friday the 13th and sell a Mountain Dew logo yeah. in between to, you know, help format the movie. I, and I'm not beating up. Listen, I like a lot of these reboots yeah. uh, of the movies that have come out, but it's, I, I just, that movie, I think people will turn away from it because it looks dated. When you watch the trailer, the hairdos, the clothing, mm -hmm. the groovy 70s vibe it's got going, but the story is so compelling. Now, we, we rate these movies on the phantom scale. One phantom, no bueno. Five phantoms. You got to see this movie. Where do you where do you put the reincarnation of Peter Proud? I'm going to say on the phantom scale, phantom meter. I would say, yeah, this is a this is a four. This is a four phantom for me. Excellent. Now you guys can find it on uh, Amazon, and I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll make it easy for you. I'll even put this movie into the paranormal Amazon section as well, not in the book section, but like the gifts and swag stuff. I'll put this movie in there so you guys can find it and buy the Blu-ray DVD. I think Blu-ray is like $7.99. The DVD is wow. like $10. Um, so it's, it's well worth it, and they've cleaned it up. I actually have a copy from years ago on DVD uh, that is not a great quality version, and it was you know, one that they originally released, they've since cleaned it up. Mm. And, uh, if you're resourceful enough, you can find it other places. Uh, but, but if you're going to spend money, why not just go get it from the podcast, uh, you know, website and store that, that would help me out in the long run. Uh, and really this is all about me. I love this. <laughs> Suppose you knew who you had been in a previous life, where you lived, whom you had loved and how you died. What then the reincarnation <laughs> of Peter Proud. What then? Not exactly a concise tagline, but... Uh... No. <laughs> well, it's better than this one. The reincarnation of Peter Proud. He was dead. Now he's alive. <laughs> Jeffrey Curtis. Yeah, this is... Uh, it's a fascinating uh, tale, and I love the fact that you can take a reincarnation story, which they've done mm -hmm. before. There are other reincarnation movies out there that are interesting and intriguing to watch. Um, but this one, I, I feel, really kind of set the tone for every other movie after that. Yeah, and it, it, throughout the trippiness of it, as this mystery is being pursued, you kind of find yourself, I, I did, rooting for the main character, Peter Proud, as, as he's kind of discovering things about, are these memories, or is it a another life, or what? 
as he sees certain things that trigger more of his past and the dreams start kind of playing out in reality, you really are on board with him. And he's kind of a likable character too, actually. Am I suffering a stroke or did it just get a lot darker in here? It, it did. It did. Or, I mean, maybe we're having a stroke at the same time. Right. Yes, I saw it as well. <laughs> Suddenly for you watching out there on the live video stream of yeah. this, things have just gotten eerie here in the old <laughs> Schrader abode. Uh, my light just decided to cack out on me. Maybe it's time to reincarnate the bulb <laughs> and put a new one in. But uh, um, I want to talk also real quickly before we let you go, Aaron, you have got a great new uh, project that's going talk to our listeners and tell them what they can uh, see and, and where they can find it. Yeah. And thank you for asking about it. So for a while now, I've been doing these live streams with denofgeek.com. That's an entertainment outlet and they cover all things nerdy. A while back during the height of pandemic, I was just like, Hey, let me interview people about the paranormal on live stream. That went well. And it is now become known as talking strange. It is a new paranormal pop culture live stream and podcasts and whole paranormal content initiative with denofgeek.com. So we've had guests like Greg Nicotero, Elvira, Alan Tudyk from Resident Alien. Tomorrow we're talking to David Dasmalshian from the Suicide Squad sure. and Ant-Man. He's a comic book creator as well. So he's got a new horror comic out or horror comedy comic. And uh, and then also talking to friends like um, uh, I, hopefully you at some point and uh, Amy Bruni, Adam Barry from Kindred Spirits, the guys from Ghost Hunters like Jason Hawes. So it's a mix of paranormal and pop culture. And, um, and we're just kind of keeping it weird. How can people find it? Go to denofgeek.com. You can find it there. Also, you can listen on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Look up Talking Strange. And on the Den of Geek YouTube channel, we have the videos up there as well, labeled Talking Strange. And you'll see my face all over the place, along with people that are much prettier than I am as I interview them. Shenanigans. There's nobody prettier than Aaron Sagers. Oh. And I'm I'm digging the lumberjack look today, buddy. I, I like this. The rustic wood barn behind you, the flannel, the the knit cap. Are you going to sling your axe over your shoulder and head off to talk to Babe the Big Blue Ox when we're done here? <laughs> I, need, I need to go split some wood, I guess. I know it is a departure from the, from the tiki outfits I normally wear, but man, it's yes. cold. It's cold yes. out there. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we have got links in today's program guide so that you can find uh, Aaron's new podcast and programs. We'll also have a link up to Aaron's website and Den of Geeks so you can find it all conveniently in one place. Buddy, it's always good to catch up with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you, sir. Thanks uh, for having me on, and always. let's do it again. You got it. Thank you very much for watching the movie, too. All right, guys, we are at the time of the show, and it's it's getting close to say goodbye. Listen, you only live once. Well, that's how the old saying goes. A sentiment that has been shared by the youth of today with the YOLO movement. But what if this is just one stepping stone on a much longer journey? I tend to believe that life truly is what we make of it. So make the best of this one. Show it respect, love, reverence. Perhaps that's how we earn the next step on our path. By squandering the time given to you, it may force you backwards to an old life until you begin to show the gratitude for the true gift that life really is. 
I'd like to thank our guests today for stopping in and being a part of the program. And uh, again, I links up for each one of our guests and their books, their projects, so you can find them very easily. Shelly Care, PhD, Damian Bertrand, and Aaron Sagers for taking us just beyond this life and back. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60 and allowing me along on your journey. May you find some comfort in the darkness with the information that we share here. Stay safe. And remember, the future is not promised. Do yourself a favor. Live this life once for yourself and once for your dreams. Make sure to tune in next Monday. The Boogeyman Chronicles takes place right here on the best in paranormal podcasting. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. (laughs) 